Hi guys, if you have not had a chance to go over to HeroParanormal.com, please do. For the price of a boutique cup of coffee a month, you get all the content behind the paywall. There is a ton of it. You won't be disappointed. Also, you can access all that content if you head on over to Patreon and search for Hero Paranormal. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Because it's the only way I can break through the algorithm of control. I will most likely never be monetized on YouTube for a variety of reasons, the truth being one of them. But liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast will make it so at least other people can hear it. And I can just say the shadow ban is very real. Thanks for your help and support. Cool. Here we go. Blast off on another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization Podcast, aka Hero Paranormal, broadcasting from just south of the old Sherman Ranch at a place called Space Wolf Research. My name is Ryan, the anomalous ambassador of the airwaves, bringing you an unbelievable episode today. We're going to be mixing magic, blood magic, and matrix theory. There's a lot to this, and it seemed unbelievable to me as well until I looked into it. And I think most of us know what blood magic is. It goes back to the cult of Baal, many ciphers and grimoires and evidence has been instilled in us over thousands of years. And we'll get into how that ties in to matrix theory. But matrix theory is a little bit more modern. And in real life, it's based on the idea that the world is like a computer program. It has a set of rules and algorithms, much like the ones that keep me oppressed. Anyway, but they determine how things work. According to the research, understanding these rules and these algorithms is the key to success in life. And anyone who can learn to hack, for lack of a better word, the matrix, begins to master them. Interestingly, when it comes to mystery schools... We have the books of the masters, which also speak of a key. And this is the correlation. Claude Elwood Shannon made a bunch of numbers, which quite literally became much like a computer program and a matrix. He was way ahead of his time. Which brings us to the big question, who was Claude Elwood Shannon? Well, he was a cryptographer mathematician, electrical engineer, computer scientist, known as the father of information theory. Interestingly enough, he had a lot of tips and tricks, hacks, if you will, as to how to hack the uh, algorithm of life. Many awards have been named in his honor, and he has 
received tons of awards chronicling all of the things he's done. Interestingly, he did work at Bell Labs. His subsequent work there from 1942 through 1957 made colleagues and managers baffle at his genius. His technical memoranda, which subsequently became well-known in published forms. There was a Math Encounters presentation May 4th, 2016 at the Museum of Mathematics in New York titled Saving Face, Information Tricks for Love and Life, focused on Shannon's work in information theory. Information theory is the mathematical study of the quantification, storage, and communication of information. The field was originally established by the works of Harry Nyquist and Ralph Hartley in the 1920s. Claude Shannon delved in the 1940s, and in the field, he applied mathematics. It became the intersection of probability theory, statistics, computer science, information engineering, electrical engineering, and statistical mechanics. It was a quote-unquote key measure in information theory, which is much like the key in the fundamental topics of ancient mystery schools. Crucial to the success of the Voyager missions to deep space, the invention of the compact disc, the feasibility of mobile phones, and the development of the internet. And, it seems, it is, the study of processing, extraction, and utilization of information, and hacking this experience humans have known as life. Of course, this is far from the first time humans have tried to hack the experience known as life. Throughout the history of ancient mystery schools and magic in general, which has been usually the privileged who take part in, including brethren of royalty, prominent politicians, entertainers, scientists, and military personnel, this is a secret order of beliefs, a secret truth in our reality that there are secret steps, possibly 13 secret steps, according to some Illuminati whistleblowers, involving magic of sorts, a window beyond the veil of reality we know as life, a peek behind the matrix. Interestingly enough, other entities, or a hierarchy of them more appropriately spoken, come into play. What's very strange about this computer matrix theory is that the images and related terms have a dynamical system, an elastic scattering, that when viewed from outside, they look very much like the traditional uh, image of a UFO. It's, it's hard to describe. However, some of the interesting advances in understanding the superstring theory, which have taken place in the past few years, emphasize the non-perturbative appearance of an 11th dimension in what they call type 11a superstring theory. The implications are, when combined with superstring dualities, that there should be a consequent quantum vacuum whose low energy effective description is given by 11 dimensional supergravities. 
Now, this is super strange because it delves right into the center of matrix theory. Now, interestingly, if you take the top creator out of the mix, there are 10 levels of angels, according to the Torah. The groups of angels are called by different names, which reflect their positions, making a total of 11 if combined with the creator. These levels, or 10 names, reflect the 10 different levels that angels occupy. There is no level above Cheos, except God himself, which makes a total of 11. The lowest level is called Ishim, which is human-like. So it appears there are 11 levels of angelic entities according to the construction of the Torah. And let's not get too far off of this, because we're talking about 11a superstring theory, talking 11 dimensions. Maybe it's just coincidences that there are 10 levels of angels and then God himself. However, that's 11. And these numbers are considered angelic or demonic depending on what side of the hierarchy you praise. 1111 is known as an angelic number. Christianity is not the only one with angels. In fact, the Torah contains many stories of mystical experiences visitations by angels, to prophetic dreams, and visions. The Talmud considers the existence of the soul and when it becomes attached to the body. The Talmud contains vague hints of a mystical school of thought that was taught only to the most advanced students and was not committed to writing. A Secret Order This is where mystery schools enter the mix. In the Middle Ages, many of these mystical teachings were committed to writings in books like the Zohar. Many of these writings were asserted to be secret, ancient writings, or compilations of secret truths. The mystical school of thought became known as Kabbalah, meaning to receive or to accept. The word is also often translated as tradition. The word does not have any dark, sinister, or evil connotations historically. It's only in the modern era that Kabbalah has been misunderstood as a doctrine of darkness. Magic is part of Kabbalah. There are certainly many Jewish stories that involve the use of hidden knowledge to affect the world in ways that could be described as magic, or hacking the matrix. Stories tell of rabbis who created man out of clay, a golem, much like the creator God did with humans. And to bring them to life, they would put the name of God on a piece of paper in their mouth. However, this area of Kabbalah is not something that is practiced by average Jews or even the average rabbi. This kind of knowledge was traditionally thought to be too dangerous, too mysterious, and way above the pay grade or intellectual thought process of the masses. It's super important to make note that none of this is possible without God himself, according to Kabbalah. And according to Kabbalah, the true essence of God is so transcendent that it cannot be described. Now, through the first to fourth century, Christianity stood in direct competition with those who practiced in the mystery schools. 
insofar as the mystery schools, too, were an intrinsic element of the non-Jewish horizon of the reception of the Christian message. That all changed after the 4th century, however. It doesn't take much of going back much farther and seeing correlations to magic. Looking at the ancient Sumerian tablets, for example, a lot of the older cities that are mentioned in the tablets which weren't even supposed to be in there, were not only older than they appeared to be, but they were very real. Creating a timeline of the events, it becomes obvious magic has been a secret part of humanity for as long as we can remember. Keep in mind there is a massive gap in the timeline, the time when there was such a great devastation, and many, many Religions, cultures, and mystery schools speak on it, write about it, and have a history of it. A cataclysm, a flood, a cleansing of the planet. Correlations are being made of ancient Sumerian kings, what they wrote in their tablets, and the reality of not only the magic involved, but much more and the possibility that certain craft landed on Mount Ararat in Turkey. Therefore, from Turkey, ancient Sumerian tablet information and magic, not to mention more, it seems humanity exploded, creating megalithic magical structures around the world. And it appears the magic and the bloodlines remain somewhat the same. DNA testing has found amazing correlations, and these are in the last five to nine years, that some of those in these areas of highly magical megalithic structures are of the same bloodlines. Bloodlines which utilized magic and other skills which seems to have been downloaded upon humanity in an amazing explosion of information. Amazing cultures also seem to have at least dabbled in blood sacrifice. Anthropologists have found evidence of a mass ritual killing that involved the deaths of more than 140 children, three adults, and at least 200 young llamas on the northern coast of Peru. Anthropologists have also found evidence of ritual killing in Mexico, Central America, and other locations in Africa. And let's not even get into the European evidence on ritual killing because it is vast. So the question is, why? Why the blood sacrifices? Well, it appears that they were very ritualistic because bones and other evidence shows that many are carefully arranged with heads facing in certain directions. Children, often boys and girls, all appear to have been killed in the same way, usually in the same day. And if this isn't all gruesome enough, researchers say that many of the sacrifices suggest that their hearts are removed shortly after they die. Some have theorized, especially with Mayan tradition, and in Mayan ritual sacrifice, that in the Mayan world, they described the importance of taking out the heart while it was still beating, 
This was said to quite literally be a transfer of power that could be seen in real time. And according to radiocarbon dating of excavated skeletons, sacrificial events are commonplace throughout much of human history, often including magical processions before, after, and during the rituals. It appears it's possible these rituals may have taken place whenever there were times of drought or flooding, and even times of plague. They believed that these rituals would somehow appease the gods and allow the balance to return to their livelihood. The bigger the sacrifice and the ritual, the bigger the magical power that would be gained, and the more likely life would get back to normal. Since we have a long history of this taking place, many argue, why would it change now? And I guess that's a pretty good question. Life is definitely better now. Although we've lost some of our freedoms, we definitely have more security, more balance, and it seems like more economic stability. Yet, some claim nothing has changed at all when it comes to certain circles of the superclass and power elite. And who better to be able to catch in this wild behavior than the low-hanging fruit? The elite who are, well, not quite elite, but think they are elite, namely Hollywood. They've traditionally not been as careful at covering their tracks as the true superclass and power elite, and therefore have been caught time and time again in wild behaviors. Things haven't changed all that much, at least as far as myth, as centuries-old myth is being spread freely, at least online, social media and the like, suggesting a new digital dark age has arrived. A dark age where people claim certain aspects of the Hollywood elite feed off the blood of children. And it seems as if in 2020, we too were beset with a plague and a persistent rumor that global elites not only feed off of children, but torture them to harvest a chemical I can't say here from their blood. We'll just call it AC which they then inject in order to stay healthy and young and receive some kind of body high. It's a wild and crazy conspiracy with references to many elite and well-known actors. However, the conspiracy theory is a potent example of how things in unpopular culture animate social media, the internet, and fringe news networks. Now, many of the victims of these quote-unquote SRA abuse situations report in satanic ritual abuse, which appears to have four dynamics in common with multiple young victims, multiple offenders, fear, and the controlling tactic, bizarre or ritualistic activity. Some of what the victims allege in these cases seem to be physically impossible. The most significant crimes being alleged in certain cases, particularly those involving human sacrifice and cannibalism, can't seem to possibly be true, can they? According to the U.S. Department of Justice, they're just not so sure. In fact, for the most part, the number of well-organized satanic cults that practice ritual child sex abuse, at least by most accounts, 
seems to be exaggerated, and accusations of Satanism impede law enforcement efforts to investigate because of the secrecy involved. However, it seems that the drip of information and the claims coming out of Hollywood are constant. The flow keeps coming. Hollywood insiders, Hollywood actors, producers, executive producers, and the like are constantly reporting strange goings-on. In fact, within the last four weeks, many have come forward, including Mark Wahlberg, who has recalled satanic rituals at Hollywood parties and has reported about them online. Now, it's no secret that Mark Wahlberg got sick of the Hollywood crowd and has since moved to Nevada to try to escape some of its pull. He claims that there are very real aspects of true evil. Now, it seems that all of human history has some parts of human sacrifice within their pages. The Bible is no different. What about Abraham and him nearly sacrificing Isaac, his son? When you look through it, it seems pretty uh, messed up. However, it does seem as if it shows that there is a dominant value in sacrificial traditions. It's so deeply implicated that trickery becomes the shadow of faith and vice versa. What if it was a trickster entity asking Abraham to do this? Would he have followed through? This could have been an entirely different ordeal and a very scary one of that, if that was the actual case. Luckily, it wasn't. According to the story, it was just to test his bounds. But what a way to test them. As many of you know, I believe that words are spell work. And I like to look at the words, the grammar, or the quote-unquote grimoire as it comes In the language, a lot of magic is in language. And to sacrifice translates in religious terms as to make sacred. Then there is to sacrifice as a verb and sacrifice as a noun. They imply irrevocable commitment to divinity with no expectation of material gain. However, it is scary when you think of the trickery which could be involved with trickster entities acting as if they were angelic or divine entities. There is a uh, suggestive philosophical distinction, and this could take place. Just because we don't have a lot of stories that go into that doesn't mean that it has not taken place in the past. Some claim it currently takes place in the present and will continue to take place in the future. Authors Caroline Marvin and David W. Ingle purport in their book, Blood Sacrifice and the Nation, that the U.S. embarks on totem rituals and the American flag. What they claim is that American patriotism is a civil religion organized around a sacred flag whose followers engage in periodic blood sacrifice of their own children to unify the group. Using an anthropological theory, this groundbreaking book presents and explains the ritual sacrifices and regeneration that constitute American nationalism, the factors making particular elections or wars successful or unsuccessful rituals, the role of the mass media in the process, and 
the sense of malaise that has pervaded American society during the post-World War II period. Are they right? It does seem as if many amazing world powers in the past have utilized sacrifice as a way of strengthening their power. We have the Inca with examples from Peru. We have the Aztecs. We have even the Romans. And what's strange about this all is it seems as if these societies had quite literally grown heartless through their human sacrifice. The Romans did it with the Colosseum, the Incas did it, and the Mayans and Aztecs did it. But each of those societies eventually fell. They imploded. And why did they implode? It seemed as if they had become heartless, soulless, and no longer had the fundamental values that created them in the first place. This is a interesting dilemma, because once the fire within is put out, it seems that the exoteric, or the outside facade, crumbles. There is something that is held in the shadows, known as the black mass. It is the opposite, and a perversion of the traditional Catholic Mass. It is created for magical purposes and has been known to, well, use a male child without imperfection who is given his first communion before being ritualistically and brutally killed. The Black Mass is said to be prepared in front of the inverted cross The Black Mass is said to have taken place, or at least formally been known to have taken place, near the end of the 16th century in France, although there are also Italian versions. Modern Satanists still consider it to be Catholic because of the Medici Mass, as it has come to be known. And this becomes vitally important when comparing it to Thelemic Mass or that of the O.T.O., Because in another version, known as the Medici Mass, and yes, this is of the Medicis of Italy, it does not require the use of a naked woman as an altar, as in Aleister Crowley's Masses. Instead, there was still a child sacrifice involved. Allegedly, these went on and these pushed Catherine de' Medici to set in motion this terrible ritual that eventually turned into commonplace according to some whistleblowers from satanic ritual abuse. To delve deeper into the story of Catherine de' Medici, this is how it all went down. The fact is, Catherine de' Medici had a rough life and hurt people hurt people. Within a month of her birth, illness killed both of her parents, and for the rest of her childhood, she would be shuffled between relatives and convents to protect her from the family's enemies in an increasingly volatile Italy. There were more deaths in the family than you could ever imagine. And her uncle was the Pope who came to the rescue. Catherine's fortune shifted when her uncle, Giulio de' Medici, became Pope Clement VII. Clement brought his young niece to live in an extravagant palace in Florence, where the people took fondly to calling her the Little Duchess. It seemed as if her life was getting better. Catherine's peaceful childhood was thrown into a dark chaos when Cardinal Silvio 
Passerini overthrew Pope Clement, and suddenly Catherine's peaceful childhood was thrown into chaos once again. Passerini's forces took Catherine hostage and sent her off to live alone in a series of convents. She was taken from her beloved uncle and his extravagant palaces, but Catherine found surprising silver lining in her captivity. Life in the convent was simpler and safer than what she was used to, and one chronicler remains unnamed but says the happiest time of her entire life was in the convents. Once she left the convent walls, there was only danger and intrigue waiting her. Pope Clement was desperate to regain his power, and he was willing to make a deal with the devil for it. He begged Charles, the king of Spain, for help. In return, he promised to crown Charles the Holy Roman Emperor. The king leaped at the idea and marched his armies towards Florence, but this would spell disaster for the little duchess who was being held captive within the city's walls. She was trapped in quite the mess, and in 1529 Charles besieged Florence and the forces who held Catherine de' Medici prisoner began to get restless. Some of the more unruly soldiers began to resent that their young hostage got such hospitable treatment. Some suggested they kill her. Others wanted to chain her to the walls of the city as a warning. But some soldiers had an even more disturbing suggestion. She should be given to the troops for entertainment. As the siege wore on, Catherine's situation grew more and more dire. And who knows what would have happened if it had lasted much longer. anti Medici armies flanked the nunnery, where young Catherine de' Medici took refuge. The public debated whether the 11-year-old heiress should simply be killed or sent to a house of ill repute to devalue her in the Pope's marriage plans. But just as the mob was about to finally get its way, salvation appeared on the horizon. Thankfully, Florence surrendered and before any real harm could come to Catherine, Pope Clement immediately brought her to Rome. The wedding of Catherine de' Medici and Henry, Duke of Orleans, was a ludicrous, extravagant affair. The French and Italians exchanged expensive gifts, ate exotic foods, and partied like they were rock stars. Henry spent the evening showing off for his new bride, with dancing and jousting and all kinds of wild affairs. The marriage seemed like a fairy tale romance, but storm clouds were on the horizon. Despite their magical wedding, Catherine de' Medici and Henry didn't see much of each other in their first year of marriage. The Duke spent his time traveling the countryside, while Catherine stayed in the wolf's den, among the ladies of the court. But Catherine was a Medici. She was born to play the Game of Thrones. Catherine's beloved uncle, in 1534, Pope Clement VII died of a painful illness. In an instant, Catherine's link to Rome disappeared, and she was suddenly a lot less important. Catherine de' Medici's husband was never meant to become king of France, but things could change extremely quickly in a Renaissance court. In 1536, heir to the throne, Henry's brother, Francis, was playing a game of tennis when he started feeling ill. Within days, he was dead, shocking Europe and thrusting Henry in the line of succession. All of the sudden, the young, orphan Medici girl found herself in line to become Queen of France, but dark rumors soon began to swirl. 
Many found it hard to believe that Francis, a young man in the prime of his life, could fall ill and die so suddenly. A single word began to circulate throughout the corners of the French aristocracy. Poison. And who would have more motive than the upstart, Machiavellian Medici? The Medicis had always been known as people who got what they wanted by any means necessary. That is why it's so important to discuss their place in the belief, the evidence, and the sabotage of holy ritual and switching it out for dark ritual magic. They were believed to take part in child ritual abuse, child sacrifices. And Catherine herself was actually the one who many believe began the satanic black mass, one which is now seen across the planet. The satanic black mass is dark, deep, and filled with ritual. According to rumors, Catherine had a stable of about 80 beautiful ladies whom she would deploy to the beds of various people for espionage and information. For networking, it became known as the Flying Squadron. Catherine was, well, interesting, especially who she hung out with. On top of her Flying Squadron, she had employed many magicians and sorcerers. One of the most famous was Cosimo Ruggeri. Everyone in Paris knew of Ruggeri, the queen's trusted necromancer and specialist in the dark arts. Catherine de' Medici's superstitious nature and dark reputation lent themselves to the rumor that she invented the Black Mass, a satanic send-up of the traditional Catholic Mass. Though she married with royalty and became Queen of France, Catherine de' Medici came from Florentine Medici family, who are remembered for their generous patronage of the arts. Some of those arts were darker than others, according to insiders. Catherine is often remembered for her obsession with all things occult. At a time when many people were deeply religious and superstitious, it's understandable that Catherine would turn to astrologists and mystics to try to predict the future of her family. With her husband and sons dying one after the other, Catherine became somewhat paranoid and surrounded herself with mystics as well as her flying squadron of female spies to keep her safe and informed of all that went on in the land. She seemed to be able to hack the Matrix when it came to power. She played an unbelievable Game of Thrones. And in 1574, Catherine had an observation tower built for her astrologer, which could be seen today opposite the Rue de Louvre. After hearing one prediction, that she would die at St. Germain, Catherine would spend little time there, and even had a new palace constructed. People close to her said she had a fondness for poisons and potions, and was even accused of murdering many people throughout her lifetime, including the brother of her husband, the king. The queen mother is also said to have practiced black magic, and stabbed wax figurines of her enemies. Catherine was believed to have possessed a purifying fountain, magic mirrors, amulets, and books on magic, and the occult which she used in her day-to-day -day life. When it came to the Matrix of Life, it seems as if she did have a hack. 
she was able to quite easily slither from this to that. And if this is a computer program, this reality of ours, or if it's something similar to that, it seems as if Catherine had moments in her life where she achieved higher states of consciousness, complementing the idea that she was a worker of the occult. She would meditate, she would do things in communal settings and neutral places, and seemed to have influence. She had many distressing experiences as a child, and the adults around her were kind. However, she did not consume what others believed of her. She always had her own belief system and her own Game of Thrones, or 10D chess, playing in her mind. The Medici family were not the only nobility to practice the occult and embark upon dark masses. In fact, the Borghese family was also accused of the same. Many in what has now been called the black nobility were guilty of such occult practices, and the black mass is said to have been undertaken even within the Vatican walls. How could it be? Well, it seems that there was always a shadow of the Pope, and possibly one more powerful than he. A black Pope, as they called him. Traditionally, conspiracists claim that he is of Jesuit lineage. Regardless, it seemed as if many of the power class and super elite tied to Italy in the 1800s were, in fact, very occult. In May of 1895, at the Borghese Palazzo, a vast palace which was famous for its splendor, a satanic chapel was discovered. It was called the Templum Palidicum. Fine purple and black draperies covered the walls, and everything satanic was present. On one of its mighty walls was stretched a huge tapestry depicting Lucifer triumphant, conqueror of the world. The black nobility, or black aristocracy as they were called, were families who sided with the papacy under Pope Pius IX after Savoy family-led army of Kingdom of Italy entered Rome on the 20th of September, 1870, overthrew the Pope and the papal estates, and took over the palace. Any nobles subsequently ennobled by the Pope prior to 1929. For the next 59 years, the Pope confined himself to Vatican City and claimed to be a prisoner in the Vatican, to avoid the appearance of accepting the authority of the new Italian government and state. Aristocrats who had been ennobled by the Pope and were formerly subjects of the papal states, including the senior members of the papal court, kept the front doors of their palaces in Rome closed to mourn the Pope's confinement, which led to their being called the Black Nobility. They sure knew how to hang on to power. And I'll tell you, many of their palaces had unusual floor plans. Many had rooms that apparently were used for ritual practices. It definitely appeared as if the super class of Italy had a life hack. There have since been researchers who have theorized that there is something called the Black Magic Matrix. And they've made calculations and find many surprises between the relationship of coefficients, the new matrix, and the Bernoulli numbers. 
So am I saying there's a connection between dark arts and computer programs and algorithms? Well, yeah. Or at least, well, maybe. How in the world do people get computer program algorithms before they have computers? Well, that could also be part of it. In mathematics, the Bernoulli numbers are a sequence of rational numbers which occur frequently in analysis. The Bernoulli numbers appear and can be defined by the Taylor series expansions of the tangent and hyperbolic tangent functions. In Fall Haber's formula for the sum of mth powers and first n positive integers, it gets super math heavy and complicated, but it seems to be a sort of analytical engine, an algorithm. There is some confusing math at hand, but it seems to aim that way. And we're about to get into the rhythm of Al Ghul, the demon. But first, clarify that the Bernoulli numbers were discovered by the Swiss mathematician Jacob Bernoulli. Keep in mind this was in the 1700s. So let's get to Al Ghul, the demon, and of course, the sky lore, what it's associated with, and the mythical scary monster, the Gorgon, Medusa, who had snakes for hair. Legend said that her appearance was so terrifying that if anyone even looked at her, they would turn to stone. The star, Al Ghul, takes its name from the Arabic word meaning the demon's head, or literally the ghoul. That's where the word ghoulish comes from, or the word ghoul, from al-ghoul, the Arabic word. It represents the terrifying head of a demon, or demon's head. I love the study of words and language and spelling, spell work. It is grammar, grimoire, and this is no different. And from this, we get algorithm, algorithm, the rhythm of the evil demon's head, al-ghul, as said in Arabic. A close brother of mine, a fraternal friend, and confidant involved in the great work, Leo Zagami, who has written over a dozen books into the truth about cyber Satan, artificial intelligence, robotics, and what they have to do with satanic practices, has really gone above and beyond anyone else I know in showing how Vatican Jesuits and the upcoming One World Religion all gather around artificial intelligence, cyber Satan, and transhumanism. Very controversial, but he is an insider and possibly the most banned insider of all time. He's heavily, heavily shadow banned and one of the most controversial figures when it comes to the Catholic Church in the sinister plot to release Cyber Satan and his legion of electromagnetic demons to enslave humanity through the use of artificial intelligence, robotics, your phones, algorithms, of course, and every other device that utilizes AI. So who could possibly be the umbrella of control that they're gathering under? If you want to know who's bringing this all to the forefront, it's the United Nations. I was able to get my hands on Agenda 21. It is a basic program of how they implement these things. They have these huge meetings and 
all of the super class and power elites come together under the umbrella of the United Nations. And if you can get your hands on one of these booklets, it's fascinating. Let me tell you how they plan on implementing this science for sustainable development. Scientists are improving their understanding in areas such as climatic change, growth in rates of resource consumption, demographic trends, and environmental degradation. They seem to uh, prophesize a lot about overpopulation, climate change, and they rush to the efforts of artificial intelligence, transhumanism, and of course, tons and tons of algorithms and data collection. It's all about data collection. The more they know about you, the less they have to dig. And our phones and devices tell them everything they need to know about us. The way our eyes move as we scroll, how our emotions change, and of course, tracking what ads we look at and how we spend our money. And this is what they use those algorithms for. To collect, analyze, and integrate data on the linkages between the state of ecosystems and the health of human communities in order to improve knowledge of the cost and benefit of different development policies and strategies in relation to health and the environment, particularly in developing countries. So if you're in a developing country, you're way more at risk. Not that we're immune here, because it's coming for all of us. The scary part is these super class of power elites believe in ancient, ancient religions which not only believe that uh, you come right back, you reincarnate very quickly, but they believe that if you happen to sacrifice someone for your own benefit, you just understand the calculation and the matrix better than the other person. Because after all, they will come back very, very quickly and probably in a better state given the horrid nature and torturous death that they had in the previous life. So heck, you're doing them a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. You are just aware of the mastership and the hacking of this matrix through blood sacrifice. Easily put, they know the hack. If it's a video game, they believe. They know the hack. And speaking of certain communities where over 90% of the families are purportedly of this mindset... Um, Rose Valley, Pennsylvania, and Arden, Delaware are areas where insiders have told me that ancient, ancient religions, which practice exactly what I just said, aforementioned satanic ritual abuse, childhood trauma, and the like, powerful families with vast estates, massive bank accounts, and on the front, very religious, very pious, but behind closed doors, the exact opposite, the inversion, the upside down, the exact opposite of what they seem to be in public, they are behind closed doors. This is all purported via insiders who grew up in these communities, so it's not me telling you this, this is just what I've gathered. They practice what I just preached. They believe that they have mastered this. They are quite literally praising deities that are millennia old, and they are very much satanic. 
in fact, in a recent um, news article, I found that Satanists have convinced this Arden, Delaware County, Pennsylvania school district to alter their dress code. What I mean by that is a gentleman named Joseph Rose goes with the roses of Rose Valley. But anyway, this gentleman, Joseph Rose, launched a similar effort at the Garnett Valley School District, which prohibits satanic or cultish imagery. Apparently, a local satanic organization has convinced a school district in Delaware that its dress code was discriminatory against Satanists. Joseph Rose, the founder of a local organization called Satanic Delco, says fellow Satanists with children attending schools within the Rose Tree Media School District made him aware of the verbiage in the dress code banning any clothing or gear that are satanic in nature. The idea that a public school would allow religious expression in school but choose to single out and prohibit the expression of one specific religion obviously seemed like a problem for us, Rose said. It took about a month of consistent emails and phone calls before the district superintendent sent out an announcement reading in part, Although we have no complaints or concerns brought forward by any student, parent, or resident, we will remove this language from our current dress code information or in the student hound book. So, absolutely, praise Satan in public in these areas. I visited their website, and it's hilarious. It's great. Delco, we are Satanists. We're your neighbors. We make your coffee. We teach your kids. And you come to our office when you're sick. We are an independent congregation with no affiliation to any other satanic groups. So I think they're just basically non-closet versions of what I announced previously in the podcast. So, hey, good for them. Interestingly enough, they are from this area. Their founder is of the last name Rose. Rose Valley, Pennsylvania is known for this. The school district where this all took place was also the Rose Tree Media School District. And um, the roses keep on going. I don't know what you know about the Rose Cross, but there's a lot there too. Nothing wrong with the Rose Cross. In fact, it is one of the more beautiful mystery schools I've had the opportunity of looking into. But there's a lot of roses going on. I don't know if you caught on to that. And that is sort of the type of thing, the synchronistic uh coincidence that you find yourself recurring noticing in a recurring fashion the patterning and this patterning has been looked at by the cia it always blows my mind that it has quite literally finally been declassified in certain cia documents magic with a k perfectly explained they call it patterning the technique involves the use of the consciousness to achieve desired objectives in the physical, emotional, or intellectual sphere. It involves concentration on the desired objective while in a focused 12 state, extension of the individual's perception of that objective into the whole expanded consciousness, and its projection into the universe with the intention that the desired object is already a matter of established achievement which is destined to be realized within the time frame specified. This particular methodology is based on the belief that the thought patterns generated by our consciousness in a state of expanded awareness create holograms, which represent the situation we desire 
to bring about and in so doing establish the basis for actual realization of that goal. Once the thought-generated hologram of the sought-after objective is established in the universe, it becomes an aspect of reality, which interacts with the universal hologram to bring about the desired objective, which might not, in other circumstances, ever occur. In other words, the technique of patterning recognizes the fact that since consciousness is the source of all reality, our thoughts have the power to influence the development of reality in time-space and applies to us if those thoughts can be projected with adequate intensity. However, the more complicated the objective sought and the more radically it departs from our current reality, the more time the universal hologram will need to reorient the reality sphere to accommodate our desires. Monroe Institute trainers caution against attempting to force the pace of this process because the individual could succeed in dislocating his existing reality with drastic consequences. So there you have it. The matrix of reality and the wild magic with a K perfectly explained. And you know what else would be magical? If you head on over to HeroParanormal.com, just be aware for the price of a boutique cup of coffee a month, you can get all of the content behind the paywall, and there's a ton of it. You can also access that at Patreon. Just search for Hero Paranormal. Until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. Off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Come blast off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off.
Until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. Off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Come blast off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off, blast off, blast off.